want to encourage you to embrace your doubts. And I will talk about that a little more because some of you may have some hesitations already. But first of all, let me just share with you some of the, the research. You have them in your sermon notes, and they're also on the online sermon notes if, if you want to see there. I do not have any slides today, so you'll just have to uh, try to pay attention without any visuals. Maybe I'll dance or something to keep you... No, I won't. Nope. So doubt. Uh, according to research, very recent research, uh, two, of, two out of every three Christians uh, experience um, a season of spiritual doubt. So almost all of us. Two out of three Christians experience seasons of spiritual doubt. More than a quarter of Christ followers still find themselves doubting, even though they are Christians. And the most common response to spiritual doubt is to quit attending church. Uh, 46% of people who uh, are experiencing doubt just kind of give up. However, uh, doubt can be, uh, does not have to end in a loss of faith or a lack of church attendance. Doubt can be a very strong catalyst uh, for spiritual growth. If you were to just kind of look around right now on any given Sunday, pretty much uh, one out of every four of us are experiencing or struggling with doubt this Sunday morning on any Sunday morning. So if you are one of those, you're not alone. It is very common. And you probably will experience doubt in your spiritual faith until Christ comes back and until we see everything 100% clearly. It's also important for us to address this topic because the younger generations experience doubt at a, what is a double the rate of older generations. We live in a different time. Last week we talked about times have changed. And we are not a Christian or a religious culture. Maybe we never were, but it is. The influence is, is waning even more, and it seems like there are fewer, fewer, fewer and fewer um, maybe believers around us. And worldview around us is, is clashing with biblical worldview all of the time. And so one of the results of this is a massive uh, turn towards doubt. So it's important for us to address uh, these issues. Spiritual doubt can be very formative. It can strengthen, and it can bolster our faith. In fact, for more than half of those who wrestled with doubt, um, the time that they spent asking honest questions and about what they believe, about the religion or God, more than half said it made their faith stronger. Uh, for another three, they said, another three in ten, it had no effect at all. And about one in eight lost their faith entirely. So that's a small minority um, who say, and another smaller minority say they held on to a weakened version of their faith. So even people who uh, are, feel they're very strong and they're very devout and devoted uh, Christians and Christ followers, 95% um, say that their time of doubt improved their faith. So we do not need to be afraid of doubt. We do not be, need to be afraid of questions and being honest. We want truth, and Jesus is truth. And so as we search for truth, we find Jesus. And we just want more and more of Jesus. We do not need to be afraid uh, when people are asking tough questions that we don't know the answer for. Um, if you really want to know truth, you have to admit that maybe you don't know everything or else you will never get to know the truth. I've said before, all of us are, are heretics in some way. We don't understand God completely, 100%, and we probably never will. And so it's okay to embrace these questions and to embrace doubts. So some of you who are astute uh, Bible readers, you might be thinking, you know, this verse from James chapter 1 is coming to your head right now. 
which says this. Maybe you can even finish the verse for me. That's Bible quizzing language, I just realized. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. This is James chapter 1. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. It seems to be saying that doubting is not a good thing. It is, you shouldn't doubt, just shove it aside. And I won't talk about this verse today, but it's important for us to address this, and I'll talk about this in future sermons in this series. That's a little trailer, a teaser trailer for you. A lot of the problem comes from how we understand faith, or believing, or belief. What is the biblical understanding of faith? What is the biblical understanding of belief? It's pretty easy to believe. I mean, even the demons can do that. Demons know what truth is, don't they? And so let's talk about that, uh, just not today. Today, I'm going to encourage you to embrace your doubt. And if you have any questions about that, you can always contact me later. So first of all, let's open uh, to uh, Genesis chapter 32. We'll start at verse um, 22, 24 really, but I'll just start with 22. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. If you don't have your Bibles, I will read so you can listen. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons across the fort of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. It's kind of a strange turn of events, right? All of a sudden, it doesn't tell us why or who. Just all of a sudden, Jacob is alone, and now he's wrestling with a man. What the, did he like? Step on his toe or like? Why are they even wrestling? It just all of a sudden appears they're wrestling. And who is this man? Those of you who know the story know who this man is, and it's quite surprising. But as we read, we don't know yet who this man. But you know, right? Some of you. So Jacob was left all alone, and the man, for some reason, wrestled with him till daybreak. So it was at night he sent his family and possessions away. That All night long, they wrestled with this man until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched, just touched, you know, the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That's kind of funny. I don't know if kids still do this, but would you, you know, a younger sibling or someone on the um, playground, do you ever like put them in a headlock and say, you know, say uncle, say uncle, until you let them go or whatever? It's kind of what's happening here, right? The man, whoever this man is, says, let me go. It's daybreak. And Jacob says, no, I will not let you go until you bless me. Right? Bless me, bless me, and then you can go. So when you learn the identity of this man, that is just very confusing. We will learn that soon. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Verse 37, the man asked him, what is your name? No longer be Jacob, but Israel. Why? Why would he change James, this man change Jacob to Israel? You have a footnote in your Bible? What does that say there? What does Israel probably mean? We don't know exactly the etymology of the word, but because of the context of the story where Jacob's name was turned to Israel, it was because Jacob struggled with God. And so this man said, your name will now be Israel, the one who struggles, the one who wrestles with God. <clears throat> Why do you ask me my name? 
uh, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. Wait, I was sorry. 28. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because this is why. You have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. Like, who is this man? Right? All of a sudden, I'm wrestling with some guy out of nowhere. Who is this man? But he replied, why do you ask me my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Who was this man that appeared and started wrestling with Jacob? It was God. Jacob said, I'm naming this place Penia because I met him face to face. God was wrestling with Jacob. And he says, your name will no longer, I'm going to change it to Israel. Because you wrestled with God. You struggled with God. Did you know that was the meaning of the term for Israel? For the people of God? For the Israelites? Israel. It's like God is saying, I mean, this is such a weird story, right? Like, this man who is God just touched Jacob's hip and then all of a sudden his hip is out of joint or, you know, for the rest of his life or whatever. And yet, this powerful man could, the Bible says, he could not overpower Jacob, right? Jacob had him in a headlock or something. He said, okay, I'm not going to let you go, you know, until you bless me. But of course he could. He just touched his, like, he's pretty powerful. I think he could have pinned him down. He could have done whatever he wanted to to Jacob. Yet the scriptures tell us, they could not overpower him. What is that? Obviously, God can overpower anyone. But do you ever do you have um, younger siblings or grandchildren or young children? Do you ever wrestle with them? It's, who's more powerful? When we wrestle with our younger siblings or we wrestle with, with young kids or grandchildren, it's like, oh, you're so strong. Oh, I'm, I'm pinned. Oh, one, two, three. Right, but... You're way power, more powerful. You could totally just throw that kid you know, onto the couch. And, and that's what they love. They love that kind of stuff. But it, it's like, oh, come on, wrestle with me. And, and then they think they're so much stronger than you. And maybe they don't really believe it, of course. But that's, maybe that's what's kind of going on with God, right? It's like, oh, you're so powerful. I can't overpower you. Yes, I will bless you. Of course God could. There's that, that kind of a relationship that is there somehow or that's developed and is developing. But anyways, it's, it's kind of a strange story. But I think it shows us that God wants us to wrestle with him. He loves that. He loves that struggle. And that's why he called his people, the people who struggle, Israelites. That is, that is your name. And sometimes I think uh, we give up too soon. And um, tough questions, struggles, personal struggles, and it doesn't match. Like, God, you say this, but I look at it and this is not happening and you share with you know, someone in your small group, or you pray with someone, and they're, yeah, you know, his ways are above our ways. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. You know, okay, just, you know, maybe we give up too soon. And yes, there's a lot of mystery in our faith. The incarnation and, and how faith works, it's a mystery. We, we do accept mystery. We have to. But maybe we give up too soon sometimes. We don't wrestle long enough with the questions, or we don't struggle long enough, and we just give up, oh, mystery, mystery, and let's move on. I think God is inviting us into that kind of relationship. He can take it. He's so strong. 
We could like, we're like ankle biters, right? We have this big, massive issue. He's like, it's okay. Come on, let's, let's struggle with this a little. Let's, let's wrestle. Come on, let's do this. Oh, you're so powerful, you know, I can't get you pinned to me. God invites us into that kind of relationship. And so, yes, there's a mystery, but sometimes we give up too soon. Have you given up in, in your struggle, in your, in your doubts? Just, you know, forget it. I give up. It's too hard. Maybe there's something that, that you're struggling with now. God invites that. He can take it. And the fact that you can wrestle with your grand, that's, that's part of a relationship. It's like a, you don't do that with strange kids on the street that you don't have a relationship with. That would be weird. But because you have this kind of relationship, you, you can you know, play struggle. You could play wrestle. You could wrestle. Right? You wouldn't do that. Sometimes, sometimes I argue with my wife about things I would never argue with other people. But it's because we have that close relationship. Right? Vice versa, I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I show my love. You know, I argue. Just kidding. Um, but it's true, isn't it? Like, if we don't really care, we're just like, oh, forget it. You know, but if there's a relationship you do care about, you're, you're ready to struggle with. So anyways, I think this is very telling for us. But it, Jacob isn't the only one who wrestles with God. Sometimes God wants us just to continue with that wrestling a little bit more. You'll see in your notes some other examples. In Genesis chapter 18, um, Abraham wrestles with God. Here's just a few examples to, to drive home this point. God announces his plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And he tells Abraham, put, get, let's him in on this little secret. And then Abraham's like, God says, I'm going to pour all my wrath on Sodom and Gomorrah and just destroy them. And in Genesis 18, Abraham pushes back. He's like, wait, what? You can't do that, God. Like, you're the, yeah, you're the Lord. You can do whatever you want. But, like, you're supposed to be just. You're supposed to do what's right. There's innocent people there. Do you remember this story, right? And they go back and forth. And they have to have a conversation about it. And God doesn't get angry at them or mad. He brings Abraham in on this kind of a, a struggle in this conversation. Moses struggled with God a lot. He, he was a wrestler. God told Moses once that he was so angry with, with the Israelites that he's just going to destroy them all and start all over with Moses. Do you remember that story? He says to Moses, he says, you know, Moses, I'm just really frustrated. I'm going to annihilate Israel and start over with you. And Moses, he doesn't go, oh, mystery, mystery. I don't understand. Okay. No, he gets his boxing gloves on. And he's like, God, you can't do that. Like, you have a covenant with these people. Don't forget that. And it's going to ruin your reputation everywhere. And so he pushes back. And God relents and changes his mind, the scripture says, and does not destroy Israelite and start all over again. David, he wrote a lot of the Psalms. He's always asking questions like, God, where are you? Why? Why are the, the unrighteous people always you know, being successful? And, 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 not, and we aren't. Habakkuk and Jeremiah, there's a couple of verses in your notes if you want to follow them. Follow those stories too. They weren't afraid. They, they had the, the courage. They, they knew they were Israelites. So the, the tenacity to wrestle with God. And God doesn't even get offended. In fact, God commands that we wrestle with him. God's not like, you know, some um, other insecure pastors. I'm not saying I'm not insecure, but, you know, other insecure pastors, they're, if you question something, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm the God, you know, God chose me. Don't argue with me. They're very insecure. They're narcissistic. God is not narcissistic like that. He's not insecure. He's okay. Like, bring it on, he says. Let's, let's struggle. Let's wrestle with this a little bit. It's not just in the Old, Old Testament either. 
In the New Testament, Jesus often spoke through parables. And like, why, why would he do that? Why wouldn't he just straight out say, here is the truth. This is it. Right? But he would use stories and he would confuse people sometimes. He was encouraged, let's enter into this. Let's have a conversation, let's have a dialogue, like, wrestle with this. Come on, let's, let's join in. And in Galatians chapter 6, we are referred to as the Israel of God. Remember what Israel means, right? The one who wrestles, the one who struggles. So for some people, doubts are, um, are negative. You know, we should never doubt anything. You're only doubting because your faith isn't strong enough. You just need to have stronger faith. And, and some people might think, I've never doubted anything because I just have so much faith in God. In reality, faith and doubt are not opposites. And I'll explain that. We'll talk about that in one of the sermons in this series too. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. In fact, part of faith is doubting. Part of developing our faith is working through our doubts and struggling with, with these things. For some people, doubts can be theological or they could be um, biblical things. Um, for example, some people might have problems reconciling Genesis chapter 1 with, with what they hear in science textbooks. And so they need to wrestle with that. Is it necessary to take Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2 as literal? What happens if we do? What happens if we don't? These are things that we don't, don't, we don't have to give up too easily and say it's a mystery. It is a mystery, but maybe God's inviting you to, to enter into that and to struggle with that. Or some people will question all the violence in the Old Testament that's attributed to God. Like, why would God, I mean, Jesus and then God in the Old Testament? You know, mystery, mystery. It is a mystery, but let's enter into that. Like, it's okay to doubt these things. It's okay to struggle probably your faith will be strengthened as a result. One thing I, I do need to say, research tells us that when people who struggle or when they, they work through their doubts alone, they, more often they will end up losing their faith. This is why community is important. We want to enter into doubts as a community and let's be open to each other struggling and, and voicing and just being honest. Some people have questions um, maybe about hell. Like how, how could God, you know, put people in hell like forever and, and torture them. And, or maybe people have questions about women preachers or women in ministry. And these, these are good questions and it's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to struggle with these things and let's research and search the scriptures and ask for the Spirit's guidance. We, we don't want to condemn people for thinking these things. Some people think um, that you shouldn't be questioning these things. And so Youth will grow up in the church and they go to Bible camps and they, they serve on ministry teams, they're teaching Sunday school, and then they, they leave home and they start doubting and they lose their faith because they were never able to doubt. Research tells us they need play, a safe place to question and just to be honest and to struggle and to have doubts. And we need to have that in our Sunday school, in our youth group, in our small groups, in our, in our families. We need to encourage that kind of uh, doubting in this community. For some people, maybe their doubts aren't theological, maybe they're more personal. But why, do, why do I have cancer? How come when I pray for healing, I'm not healed? You know, why, why did my husband die? How come I'm still single? You know, why do I feel so alone? Why did God allow the abuse to happen to me when I was a child? Why do I feel, why do I feel attracted to the same sex? Why am I not like other boys in my class? How come? God doesn't empower me to overcome this addiction that I have. Maybe these struggles and doubts are more uh, personal. And that's, okay, let's, let's wrestle with God about these things. Maybe your questions come from your own experience. 
maybe people talk about experiencing, you know, the presence of God in this place. How come, how come other people talk about hearing God's voice or experiencing the joy? And, and I don't. Like, I feel nothing. I don't hear God speak to me, and it's not all that exciting, you know, for me to come to church. Like, how come other people have that and I don't? Maybe you have personal questions like that. Why do I feel alone? Where is God? That's probably the most popular question in the Bible, actually. God, where are you? Like, why? God's word encourages us to wrestle and to ask these kinds of questions. We need to be okay with people asking these kinds of questions. We need to allow it. We need to be open to it. We need to encourage this. And then we need to join them in the wrestling ring and get in there with them, get down and dirty. Let me share um, another reason why this is important for us. And have you heard of Reddit? Who's heard of Reddit? Who hasn't? Okay, there's a bit of an age difference there. I see why. Reddit, in case you don't know, is um, it's a forum. It's an online forum. People ask questions. People answer questions. People share things. And Reddit is, um, according to Alexa, last night with Rank's website, so I checked last night, Reddit is the fifth most popular website in Canada and the 15th most popular in the world. So there's a lot of people talking and conversing and communicating through this uh, Reddit. Now, I'm not recommending you go on Reddit. You may want to have your filters on when you're searching through these things. But there's a, a subreddit about Christianity. And two days ago, here's this question that was asked. It says, people who are born into Christianity and are still Christians into adulthood, what's something your parents did right? Does that make sense? So people who are born into Christianity, so they grew up in a Christian home, and you're still Christians as an adult, what did your parents do right? Would you like to know what that is? He says, this person who asked this question, he says, these days it seems that a lot of people born into the faith end up turning to agnostic or atheistic views when they get older. Personally, I was raised in a secular household and found God independent of my parents at 18. So wanting to become a parent myself, I want to instill my beliefs into my children without being strict and controlling, because that seems to be the root turning most people away. You could also include bits you got from church or other families, if that helps. Smiley face. So this was the question. It was quite popular. Um, got 553 upvotes. So people read that and 550 people liked it. Uh, several hundred comments. But listen to this. Here's uh, the most popular comment. Answer to his question. It says, I was raised in the church, studying the Bible, played in the worship band, etc. When I began questioning, and questioning more and more as I got older, my parents engaged with me. Instead of trying to convince me to stay in the faith, they urged me to see my questions through. We argued, debated, and discussed often. Having two people who were strong in their faith show me that it was healthy to question and explore was huge for me. My journey has been a winding one, but it is so rich, and I don't think I would have had the relationship I have with my creator if my parents didn't let me make my faith my own. Someone else said, Right after that, I said, another one, which had a lot of upvotes, said, yes, yeah, seconded. Ditto, what that person just said. My parents encouraged me to read and study and research as much as I desired. They thought that it would lead to reinforcing the beliefs they raised me with. I didn't retain the fundamentalist faith of my parents, but I discovered a much stronger faith, one that held up to scrutiny and the obstacles 
and diversity life threw at me. This agrees with the research as well. Research shows that people need that place to, to struggle and to doubt. And we're not afraid of struggling or doubting or questioning because we seek truth. And as we seek truth, we will get closer and closer to Jesus because Jesus is, is truth. So it's okay to explore. It's okay to doubt at times because all of us do. On any given Sunday, 25% of you are doubting. So let's embrace that calling or that, that desire of God to wrestle with him and to question these things. And I want to encourage you to doubt and to question within community. It's very easy to get sidetracked and to, to go down different paths uh, when we don't have um, people informing us as well. So this church is a safe place. This youth group, our small groups, let's, let's encourage uh, this kind of questioning and embracing, embracing these kinds of don't be afraid. For many Christians, for many parents, nothing is scarier um, than maybe being cornered by someone who's struggling or by a parent, by a child, and not having the right answers. We don't need the right answers. We may want to protect you know, our children uh, from uh, religious doubts in the hope that uh, it will keep them you know, in the faith. But research tells us that our desire to protect them from doubt actually may do more harm than good. Studies show doubt is an important part of the process in forming a healthy religious identity. And why would it not be? Israel. Your name is not Jacob, your name is Israel. David, Jeremiah, all the prophets, the way Jesus spoke. They, God encourages us to enter into this, this struggle with him. Understanding there is mystery, but don't give up too soon. Doubt isn't um, the enemy. Just one more thing before I close. A perfect, another great example is uh, found in Job, the story of Job. And if you're familiar with the story, Job was very successful, he was very rich, and then calamity struck, and I just want to get to the point. So he, he lost everything, lost his family, lost all his possessions. It was an awful situation, and his friends would come along and, and try to comfort him. And Job, as the story moves on, he gets more and more raw, a little more honest. And he's like, this is, I feel God is just like, I wish I were dead. And God is doing these awful things. God's like the enemy. He calls the God these things. And he's just being really raw. And also his friends are trying to find other reasons. Oh, no, no, that's not why. It's not, it's not this way. It's not this way. And then finally, near the end, end of the story, God appears because he was silent this whole time. And he rebukes Job for his wrong theology. He says, no, Job, that is not right. What you said was, was incorrect. And then Job repents of, his, uh, of the words that he spoke against God and repents of his wrong thinking. And then and, uh, in Job chapter 42, verse 7, God says this, After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to his friends, said to Eliphaz the Temer, I'm angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. But we know Job didn't speak the truth because he was just reprimanded by God for his wrong theology and his wrong thinking. So what is God saying here? He says to his friends, I'm angry at you because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. Other translations might say what you have not spoken uh, what is right. And this word is the is, uh, same word that's used in a plumb line when you're measuring something straight, like a level or something. It's just like 
real or like straight, straight talk. God was happy with Job for just saying like what, you, what he felt, talking straight to God. It wasn't because his theology was correct, because it was wrong, and Job repented of that. But God said, I'm angry with you guys because you weren't being honest. You weren't talking straight. Job was, and so I'm happy with him. God loves us to answer questions. He loves us to enter in and sometimes to not give up too easily. And so as we begin this series, and we will talk more about issues of doubt and faith and belief and all those sorts of things, and sometimes doubt can go wrong, but often doubt is very good. We'll talk about all these things coming up in the next few weeks. But I wanted you to remember, I wanted you to take something home. I wanted you to have this image in your head that, that my struggle with God is okay. And so one thing I want to do is um, I just have these postcards. It says, um, and you know, I don't spend hours designing these things. So we have a subscription that helps us. Anyways, so it says asking for a friend. I thought, well, that's cute. It's kind of maybe you have questions that you're too afraid to ask someone. So, you know, I have a friend who, and you know, or, you know my brother, but it's actually your own questions because, right, we're afraid to do that sometimes. So, um, and then on the other side, uh, your questions um, answered. It's not really your questions answered. Maybe your questions won't get answered. But I want you to be straight with God. And so I want to hand these out. And then, do you have any questions? Do you have anything you're struggling with? We just name it, and you can write it um, on the back, and then you can keep it in your Bible, or you can put it in this basket as you leave. Because I would like to know, what are things we need to discuss on Sunday morning? Is there something you'd like to see addressed on Sunday morning? What are some of the struggles or some of the doubts or, or things that you're facing? Keep it, if you want, just as a reminder for yourself that you are a wrestler, or if you would like to kind of design future sermons. Drop it in the box on your way out. And um, we did this once on, with sexual identity with the youth. And well, they had a lot of good questions, didn't they? And it's really important for us to answer the questions that are being asked. And so I just want to do that right now. I'm going to uh, hand these out. You can take one and pass it along. Start here and start here. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Joan. And then secondly, as those are being passed out, I would like us to um, just commit to being that kind of community in our homes, uh, in our youth group, in our small groups. Can we be committed to showing grace to those who are struggling? Show grace to yourself when you're struggling and when you have doubts. And may this be a safe place for people to just openly say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I'm doubting God. I don't understand this about God. Why? Why? Where is God? And is that okay for us to ask these questions and, and grant that for other people? Sometimes it's a season, and it's not like their entire life. It's, they're not going to lose their faith. It's just a season, and it can be very strengthening. It can bolster our faith when we have a place like that to, to share and to talk. Sounds like um, a commercial for small groups. If you haven't signed up, you can do that. So can we do that? And, and maybe you do have questions, you do have answers. Maybe you've struggled with this before. You could say, here, here's how I was able to resolve this and open the Bible and share with them or, or share from your own experience. And So don't like not answer, 
but maybe that answer doesn't work for them. And that's okay. So let's, can we do that as the community? It's Cornerstone Alliance Church. Whatever community you're in and in your families, will you encourage people just to be straight? Talk straight with God, as Job was commended for. So those two things. Keep that in your Bible if you want, as a reminder for you that um, God wants you to enter into the wrestling ring a little bit with him. Or hand it in and uh, give me ideas and questions that we need to answer on Sunday mornings. And then secondly, uh, let's commit. Can we do that? Are you okay with letting people struggle? Are you okay with letting yourself struggle? Can we enter into this journey uh, together? This is uh, my challenge for you today. Let me pray, and then Pastor Sam will come up and lead us in communion. Our Heavenly Father, um, we thank you that you are so great, so powerful. But I'm also very thankful, we're very thankful that you, you also stooped to our level and you became a human. That's awesome. You accommodate us in so many different ways because we could never reach you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for accommodating us even in our struggles. Thank you for stooping to our level as we, our questions are probably so basic and maybe stupid to you, yet you love them. Lord, I pray for those of us who are struggling right now, whether it's theologically or personally or in their own experience, I pray that you would meet them there. In the same way you met Jacob. And give them, bless them through their struggles. Bless all of us as we attempt to learn truth and to learn more about you and who you are and how you react to us. Come and give us a deeper experience through our doubts. I pray this in Jesus' name.